You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Thank you so much for joining me. The interview subject I have prepared is a fella by the name of Ryan Felton. He's in Perth-based outfit Chaos Divine. The reason for the chat is to talk up Legacies. That's the name of the new album from Chaos Divine, a killer modern rock and metalcore influenced effort, I've got to say. Plenty of original touches. We talk about all of that, as you will appreciate if you have listened to my podcast before. So let's get to it. Here he is, Ryan Felton from Chaos Divine. Hi, man. Mate, how's things going? Yeah, good. How are you? I am plugging away. Yeah, just come off an interview uh, a minute or two ago, mate. Uh, as I tend to do, I tend to uh, like talking to the musicians about everything that's going on in your world, mate. Now it's your turn. So there you go. Yeah. Gonna put you on this little ledge here, so I can not to hold the phone. Can you no, hear me okay? Good, I can hear loud and clear. So uh, there you go. Yeah, no worries. So you're over in Perth, are you? Ah, uh, yeah, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I've spoken to. I think most of the Australian artists that I've spoken to over the past four years or so come through Perth. But that's obvious because I'm talking to all of the artists that Lee organises through Firestarter, and I've got to say. With you guys and with every artist that I've spoken to from Perth, I just love everything that comes out of that city. I don't know. For me, it's the, I mean, everybody goes on about Brisbane, but, uh, you know, with Powderfinger and something for, oh, not something for Kate, or from Adelaide, weren't they? Uh, Scream Feeder and all of those sort of bands in years gone by, say 25 years ago or so. But, uh, mate, these days, as far as I'm concerned, it's Perth, Perth all the way. Yeah, but I think particularly if you're in the, into your heavy music, I think it's, um, there's no shortage. And uh, yeah, in the past, I think we've done we've done all right uh, with um, bigger international bands getting pretty big from Perth. So yeah, mm, punching above your weight. And uh, look, let me tell you, you're actually the first member of a rock or metal band that I've interviewed since the death of Eddie Van Halen. And I'm a big fan. Oh, wow. And I saw that you guys posted a tribute on your Facebook page. So why don't we kick things mm. off by discussing? We'll just discuss it for a little bit at least. How important Van Halen is to rock and heavy metal and how he influenced you guys with what you're doing. Mm. Oh, man, like, yeah. Um, I mean, growing up, like, when I was getting into metal, it was, you know, obviously the era was probably like the kind of Black Album to the sort of early Sepultura stuff. But it, I, I sort of didn't... I sort of didn't immediately get into like the guitar sort of virtuosos. Uh, and then I discovered um, Steve Vai, probably the first like big guitarist in that kind of space that I sort of took an interest in. Um, and then, yeah, from there I, I discovered Van Halen on that kind of path. And, um, oh, yeah, just amazing. Like, I was immediately kind of blown away with, some of the solos and stuff he, he was able to kind of record. And for the time, I think there was no one else doing that, you know, really high-energy arena rock, but just totally kind of crazy shred guitar stuff. Because um, at the time, I mean, it's all it was all ballad sort of, you know, the hair metal at the time was all ballad stuff, whereas he was sort of really out there um, with his guitar playing. And, and then I think, I mean for what he's done in terms of just like the electric guitar sound on records, I think is amazing. You know, like he's basically pioneered 
the sound the sound of what metal a metal guitar sound is um and you know that still continues now i mean his amps and um his guitars and stuff i mean they're just that they're they're like the benchmark in terms of tone so yeah i think he's just had a huge inspiration on so many bands that probably um probably a lot don't realize um if they're, Agreed, if they're yeah. sort of a bit older yeah, agreed on that point there. I don't think people realise that, uh, look, I'm an old school metal maniac and uh, I can definitely hear the link between Hendrix, Richie Blackmore and Van Halen. But for most people, it goes from Hendrix to Van Halen straight away. And it, it, yep. it's arguable to, to say who sort of took over after that, whether it's Satch or Via or, any, or Malmsteen maybe or whoever it might have been. But I, I don't... I, I, I don't know whether Van Halen has been bested as an iconoclast insofar as the most copied guitarist of the postmodern era, so post sort of 1978 or thereabouts. He's just the alpha and the omega, and yeah. I've spoken to so many artists in the world of the broader scale or the broader panorama, if you like, worth work with me when I say that, of heavy metal, given the diverse subgenres that are out there these days, that... Everybody loves Van Halen. He's just one of those guys that yeah. is just universally lauded. And without him, a bit like Michael Schenker, I don't think that metal would sound the way it does today. No, absolutely not. And yeah, certainly the way the records are produced and also, you know, techniques in terms of playing an electric guitar um, in a modern space now, like even what we could classify now as sort of technical, heavy music um in a lot of different genres i mean all that playing style is dates back to you know um mm. van halen is really the pioneer I, I would have thought like in terms of the metal the metal sound in a, in a guitar solo mm -hmm. yep all right let's talk about legacies because that is the name of the new chaos divine album Look, I'm hearing plenty of killer modern rock and metalcore influences, but uh, that's not all because there's a lot of nice original touches. Uh, let, let me single out the slide guitar, the intro, mm -hmm. on No Saviour. I love that. Is that you that did that? It is, yeah. I um, I got hold of it. I've got it right here. See nice, yeah. Little, a little slide, which, which I just sort of pop on the end of the fingers. So it's not the full slide, but it gives me the ability because that – that song, I mean, I didn't write a lot of the riffs in it, um, but I put that lead over the top uh, at the end of the recording. I thought I've got to have, I've got to find a song in this record to put some slide on because we've never done slide on any of our songs, and I'd always really wanted to do it. And that just was like, okay, that's the song. Um, but then I sort of put my, I dug myself in a hole because then I had to go back and learn to play it, the, <laughs> the actual riffs in the song. And I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to do this and hold a slide. But I managed to learn it, learn that song while putting this on my finger, uh, even just for those two parts. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, we played it live. We played that song live at the last show we played um, just recently at Slayfest. And, yeah, pulled it off. So it's uh, definitely one of the, the heavier, sort of faster songs on the record. So are you, are you nervous, excited, or are you just relieved that release day is almost here? Because I understand that uh, Legacies is out on uh, 16th of, of October. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, a little bit of relief. Um, we've been working on it for a very long time. Um, there were some interruptions with uh, 
the recording process that we had to kind of put some things on hold for a while and then come back to it. Um, things took a bit longer than we thought. We, you know, decided to go down an avenue which, like, had us sort of releasing a single a year ago, even though we'd sort of um, hadn't finished the record. So we kind yeah, of broke, one, the yeah. record, broke, broke the recording up a little bit. Um, but now, I guess, with, you know, everything happening around COVID and stuff, um, it probably hasn't worked out too bad that uh, we're, we're releasing it now, which, you know, while it doesn't <laughs> give us the opportunity to kind of play shows, you know, all over the country or anything like that at the moment, I think people are pretty pretty excited um, to get new music at the moment and um, we just kind of want to capitalise as much as we can on uh, the fact that we, yeah, it's been so long since we put a record out. We didn't want to pe- make people wait too much longer. Um, we we're all really excited to get it out, and we planned to do it sort of middle of this year. But with COVID happening, we sort of pushed it back a little bit and a little bit more. So we just thought, no, we've got to do it because there's no line of sight as to when things are going to go back to normal. So um, we just bit the bullet, and yeah, it's here now. Good call. Um... Because this is an album that needs to be played live. So have you, have you you mentioned there you played live already? So Perth is obviously open for live music. Yeah, we had um, Slayfest. So Slayfest was uh, originally scheduled for March, and it got postponed or pushed put on ice. Uh, then they re kind of promoted the same gig, but just with all Australian artists um, and all Perth artists actually. So. Um, it was really good, like, because obviously everyone that had bought a ticket, you know, if they still were going to come, they were pretty excited. Um, they so ended up selling out. It was at Badlands, and there was probably about 400 or so people there, so they had some restrictions on the rooms and multi-stages. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really good, just like that feeling of being at a gig again, being around people, you know, having a beer, not having to bloody stay at home and watch things online. Um which is, you know, as, as, as good as that is for bands, it's just not, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, and just everyone was just in such a good mood because, you know, gigs are finally back. So Getting out, yeah. there's been a few more gigs now um, being, being advertised, I've seen. So, yeah, we've got, we've got our album launch uh, at the end of November. Um, so we'll play a show here and then hopefully we, you know, we can come over east early next year, um, just depending on when things open up. Well, after the election here is the word, as you'd expect. Yeah. You know, they're going to start opening yeah. up the borders because, you know, a lot of it is political, unfortunately, but uh, I digress. Yeah. Um, who writes the material then? Because you mentioned there the uh, the the second cut there uh, was written by the other guitarist, I take it. Or So do you guys collaborate or how is it that the tunes yeah. come together? Yeah, we generally mean the other guitarist would write um, the bulk of... I guess the, the the starts of the song, so structure-wise, so we kind of get together and flesh out some ideas. Um, I mean, I guess there's a couple of songs where one or two, like one of us, might just sit down and write a whole song and send it to the guys, and then we kind of tweak it. But it's generally started by a couple of couple of us, um, and then after that, we yeah, we just get into the rehearsal room and flesh it out and sort of change bits and pieces. And then generally uh, the singer would come in last with like vocals and then we'd like do a little bit of a rewrite when it comes time to almost 
sort of getting into the studio. So, you know, once he's got a good idea of exactly what he wants to sing and if there's any parts that needs changing, we might do a bit of a rejig at the end as well. So, yeah, it's kind of almost like a three-step process. Yeah, fair enough. And look, what about the challenges? Because it's a very cohesive album overall. I mean, it, it all links together beautifully. So did you have to work to overcome anything specifically? Um, we When we started writing it, it was quite a long time ago. So I think between when we started and where we ended up in terms of the last song we wrote, um, we were just a bit mindful that it had been so much, so long that, you know, the vibe or the sound was going to be quite different. Um, but it all came together really well because I think there's – it's a good collection of uh, what we've done previously um, in older albums, you know, some of the heavier stuff. And the last album was a bit more melodic. So I think it, it sort of strikes a really good balance um, in terms of that dynamic. And, um, yeah, when we listen back to all the songs we recorded, you know, we're thinking, oh, do we need to cut any because they're not, you know, they're not really gelling. We didn't really, we didn't really see any, any issues there. Like we all felt all the songs flowed really well. There was a good sort of, um, you know, good balance, um, and 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 no song on there was kind of really out of place. Um, whereas in the past, I think sometimes what we've done is we've just sort of ended up with songs and gone, okay, well, we'll just do them all, we'll just record them all, and that's it. I haven't really thought about, you know, the whole end-to-end record. Is it? Does it actually make sense? Is it? You know, do the songs have a theme? Um, do they actually flow together? Um, so yeah, I think we did it a little bit more had a bit more time to think on that and yeah i think we we've got a pretty good good product in the end and i mean we're really happy with how it's turned out um production wise and songwriting wise yeah on that note who did you work with from the production element because it is crisp yeah so we did um did the drums here in perth oh we recorded it all in perth um drums first with uh underground at underground studio so a guy we've worked with Brody Simpson before who, who did drums on um colliding skies as well so he he helped us record those uh we went to another friend's studio in um in Perth who uh runs a place called Hammer Space um and we actually know the guy really well he's actually fun fact he's the guy that plays the guitar on top of the Optus Stadium when the Dockers play so if anyone wants to know, uh, for, for, the AFL, for the AFL, for the AFL out there, which so virtually got the gig as the purple <laughs> rocker for the Dockers, so we give them shit about that all the time, actually. So um, for my uh, just now pause for a sec. Singing as well. The uh, for my United States listeners, uh, you know, you guys know how much of a fan of AFL I am, which I'm not. I'm a rugby fan, you <laughs> see. I like I like do like the Force, which plays over there, but. Uh, you know, the AFL in Perth is like a religion, isn't it? It's like in Melbourne, so yeah. uh, people follow it massively. Yeah. So this guy stands on top of the stadium, like in, in um, what is it, uh, Metcash Arena there, I think it is, yeah. where the Jets play and also the New York Giants play. And he plays in front mm-hmm. of about twenty or 30,000 people a, a gig, I take it. Oh, more. I mean, last year when he was doing it, it was full house, which is 60,000. Um, so... Yeah, no, that's Jesus, good. Yeah. He, he, he uh, became became famous after that. So, yeah, we recorded <laughs> with him anyway. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we had um, basically did all the vocals at my place. So we set up a vocal studio here um, and just tracked everything else here, all the little bits and pieces, extra leads and things like that. 
um, on all the vocals. And that took quite a while because that was almost like the one percenters that you kind of keep going back and changing things and re-adding sure. things and yeah. layering things up. So, And then uh, we had Forrester, Savile, Mix and Master uh, again who did the last record, but we actually we sort of gave him like quite a specific brief. Like we actually wanted it to sound a bit hotter, a bit heavier, a bit uh, less like a, you know, an early carnival record and more sort of like a, a Gojira record. That's kind of the sound we wanted. Fantastic. I think I showed yeah. him Magma. I showed him the production on Magma. And I thought, fuck, that's like, that's the tone. That's the, that's the, I can the hear that now. Yeah. I can hear it. Um, and we actually ended up using an EVH to record a lot of the guitar tones anyway so we've got that gojira tone on the on the um on the rhythm tracks so yeah that was kind of our benchmark i guess and um yeah he did a really good job of kind of giving the songs that sort of that sort of end product um and they they've come out really well you mentioned gojira there fantastic band i saw them play at download down in melbourne a couple of years back but uh it alludes to a bigger point which is that uh your guitar playing and your, your compatriot's guitar playing is an extremely notable element of the guitars of, of the band's sound. So without it, the, the band's sound isn't there. And there are vids of you covering the Sugar online, which I think was very impressive. Mm. That's good stuff. So, are you are you inspired by by band? Of course, you're inspired by the Sugar. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. The Colossal Swedes, but Gojira and what other bands were you inspired by? Yeah. Um... Whole range, really. I mean, I I listen to everything from sort of like, you know, quite heavy death like um, Behemoth and yeah, Meshuggah and stuff like that. Gojira is obviously a massive one for pretty much everyone in the band. Um, but I'm not. I don't know. I listen to a lot of electronic stuff. Um, I listen to kind of a lot of early '80s rock. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't really have one particular kind of style that where i think oh you know if i'm going to write a new chaos divine song i'm going to go back to my uh you know listening to this band and try and do the same thing i i just i don't know i, I kind of just i might hear something in a song and go oh, fuck. you know that little that little like repetition is kind of a a cool idea for a riff and i'll take it away and do my own version of something else so yeah i i don't really have um have a set sort of style that i, I really listen to all the time um you know, nothing but thieves, like that kind of rock, that like UK rock is really, I really dig that as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other guys uh, are quite similar, actually. Mike, 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 the bass player, is quite similar. Um, Tim, our drummer, he's a bit more on the brutal side, so he's right into his deathcore. He came from a deathcore background, so he used to play for um, deathcore bands before he joined us. Um, so he's always showing us like, ridiculously heavy stuff and say, oh, we've got to play this. I'm like, well, hang on a second. We're Chaos Divine. Not, <laughs> it's like, not more of an angel. <laughs> pull, pull the reins back a little bit, yeah. So, um, But he, he brings a really good um, element to the band because, uh, you know, that's I guess that's where a lot of the heavy riffs came from. He sort of came in and um, thought, we thought, thought, well, yeah, if you're, let's play to your strengths and, you know, write a couple of songs in a, in a bit of a heavier vein and, you know, it worked out really well. I did stalk you on Facebook, as one does when they're preparing for an interview, and I saw on your personal Facebook page that you posted this. You said that record companies in 2020, they never apply to direct emails, but instead they, they use your email address to spam you 
after the fact mm. via their e-marketing list and then bombard you with God knows whatever message they need to via spam. And I did see that people we know, such as Andrew Hogan, I know Chris Murray quite well, they got involved in the interaction. But obviously you're using Firestarter, which means that you're financing legacies yourselves. So did you actually try to reach out to labels and attract attention? Because I'm curious here, because it is it is a strong album, and I would have thought that an earache or somebody like that, if you went that far, would have been at least interested to have a conversation mm. with you. Well, I mean, we've, we've done the shopping around since we had Human Connection to try and get interest uh, from labels like that. So they, we're on their radar. We've had people, um, you know, mention mention the same thing you know every time we've toured or something you know why why isn't you know why aren't you on a record label and the reality is i mean you know it comes down to how much money and resources you as a band had to to commit to be able to have someone like a record label put their put their resources into you um and at the end of the day you know we're still five guys trying to make a living out of out of the band as well so for us, I think while it's it's important to have um, people that would invest in you from like a record label or whatever, we've actually had a lot of people tell us like, well, at the end of the day, like if you can get if you can get people that are you know interested in you from a touring perspective and they want to have you on a festival or you've got a band overseas that you know you can work with and build up a, a fan base in another country. I mean, a record label doesn't do a lot these days, to be honest. Uh, you know, sure. There, yeah, I'll get me there's, there's, there's an era where they, they did, and there's probably an era now where you're seeing a lot more bands at our level um, take on that independent approach. I mean, even big bands, you know, there's some big bands that have chosen to, chosen to go on independent, um, albeit they have a lot more kind of uh, of a network than we do. But, yeah, I think the record label thing is getting that model is getting a little bit tired. Um, and we've found we've been able to work really well by just branching out our networks into the right into the right uh, areas to do what we want. So, you know, for example, we've got, we've got a really big online retailer that's actually um, stocking our album and merch overseas now. So anyone that wants the record, you know, they're not only um, helping us, but they're actually helping a small business over there that uh, will, you know, ship them all the music and the merch. Is that? Which, um, which, which outlet so that, is that? That's Merch Boost. So they do, like, Leprous. They do a whole bunch of prog bands. Um, and Rob, who's been amazing to work with, like, he's just super He's super interested in the band. Um, he really loves our sound, and he just wants to genuinely help. And, you know, they're not, they're not making a killing off us or anything like that. It's not about money for them. It's about supporting bands and getting us into a market that we're not currently in. And um, we've got, yeah, we've got a whole lot of people that like that where we've made those networks that means, you know, yeah, it's a bit more legwork for us as a band to do ourselves. But at the end of the day, like, um, yeah, we just want to be able to tour and have as many people um, listen to our record as we can. Yeah, it's a very interesting point you raise there about record labels and the influence that they, they do have these days because uh, yeah. I don't know whether you've been following what's going on with Earache and I've spoken to a couple of international artists about this but there's a few a very disgruntled former bands and even uh, 
illustrators such as Dan Seagrave, well, he's the one that I know, I shouldn't say illustrators, he's the one that I know, is uh, not that I know him personally, but you know what I'm saying, I've seen his interactions mm. on Facebook about things and labels are struggling as much as the rest of us, I think. Uh, and, and the conversation that I just had before getting onto the call with yourself was how do you cut through and make your band prominent insofar as attract likes and clicks and therefore sales and interactions and hopefully Spotify listens, which will lead to you being able to get an income and then potentially to win it a certain territory. And mate, the answer is if you've got an answer, bottle it and sell it for a million dollars because nobody does. We don't Mm. know how to do it. It's, it's incredibly hard with um, backlinks and all this sort of bullshit going on with e-marketing and the way that Google's algorithm works and the like, you've got no idea truly how to appeal to it to get best bang for your buck. All you know is is what's available and how much funds you've got and just hope for the bloody best. But yeah. in that way, I suppose it was no different to bands in the 60s, 70s and 80s that were just putting things in newspapers like uh, Time Off or whatever the equivalent was in yep. Perth um, yep. and, and just hoping that people sort of turned up to gigs. I don't, I don't think it's changed. I just think the medium has morphed into what it is these yeah. days. But I do feel like we're we're up against it a little more these days as artists because I'm a musician too uh, because yeah. of the volume of people that are struggling struggling to get their music heard on Bandcamp. And I think Bandcamp's fantastic. It's not a knock on Bandcamp, but you're up against the billion other artists that are on there at the same time. So ha- have you got any out-of-the-box ideas for how you're going to promote yourselves? Because this is a great album, by the way, and Legacies is mm. an album that deserves to be heard by as broad and broad a possible an audience as you can possibly reach. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I think the key to it is not thinking that the be-all and end-all for a band is, and particularly now when you can't tour, the be-all and end-all is not the day you release an album. You know, you, I, I kind of like to think that when we put out music, you know, it's going to have a lasting effect. We don't write music's, music so it's, you know, joining a fad that's over in the next year um and and i think what we'll what we'll be able to do with with this album is is really push it as far as we can in terms of you know we'll do another couple more singles um when we can tour obviously you know it's going to give us a good opportunity to we've had you know had the product out there people would have heard it certainly in australia at least we'll start to kick off a bit more international marketing with the next single um you know we just haven't had the uh the financial kind of resources to throw lots of money overseas with this record at the moment given that what's the end result we can't tour anywhere um so that bang for buck completely diminishes as a as a as an artist in an isolated city um so we just have to be strategic about that phasing you know like yeah the album comes out next week Early next year, we'll you know we'll be able to kick out another single and a video, um, and hopefully by that stage there's a there's a bit of a line of sight to when we can tour, and in the meantime you know we just try and market the record as much as we can, um, look at you know future touring opportunities for festivals. I've even been hitting up um, Prog Power and USA and Prog Power Europe, so you know putting it on their radar and just things like that where you kind of you're almost just stoking the fire now because no one knows when they're going to be able to tour. Sure. Um, mm. So that's that that was the reason why I think there's a, there's a bit of a benefit in having a record out now. We can shop around while people are in a bit of a downtime. 
and they go, oh yeah, put that on my radar because you know they're actually out there doing things while no, no not many other bands are. So, are you in a position now where Seven Dust could reach out to you and say we want you guys to support us for nine weeks across the USA? Look, if, if that came about, I mean, yeah, we 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 reach out to as many booking agents as we can, um, and just get ourselves on the radar. So I mean, that's how we've landed other supports here. I mean, it's tricky. It's tricky with touring supports because they don't often reach out um, to a band from Perth unless you know they've got some decent following overseas. So sure. for us, I think we still we still need to do a few more sort of um, ground, a bit more groundwork in terms of when we come back over to tour. Hopefully, we can get you know a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, but I think in the meantime, it's about yeah getting our getting our album marketed over there properly and um, just getting it in front of the right people so that we're on the radar. Sweet, mate. Well, look, I'll wrap things up, but before I, I let you go, please tell people where they can purchase physical copy because I know that goes straight into your pocket and also where they can mm. find you online. Yeah, so just um, if, if you want a, a copy of the record, um, we've got merch, bundles and everything. We're selling them directly on our website, which is chaosdivine.net. Um, and you can find that on Facebook and everything else. Um, yeah, good thing about that is we've self sort of packaged everything up on our store, so we, you know, we do, we don't have to go through any other Australian uh, retailers to get you the product, which, which means we can send it straight out. And um, we, we, yeah, we benefit the most that way because it means all your, all your income comes straight in without having to get split out to a bigger bigger companies so that's that's kind of why we chose to do that and i think um yeah hopefully you know if, if people really like the record i'd just urge that they uh jump online and buy a cd or buy a shirt sage words a band worth investing in for people out there listening and uh it got some killer merch too by the way it's well worth it especially for, for those listeners in europe and north america there in the united states and canada as i know i have a fair few up there. If you want to get into a killer Aussie act that knows how to play their guitars well and puts on some nice melodic metal mixed in with some brutality, Chaos Divine is, is where it's at. There's no doubt. And they come from Perth too. So Perth is, as I said at the introduction to the call, Perth is the epicenter as far as I'm concerned. And I'm from Brisbane, Gold Coast actually. Gold Coast, it's just easier to say Brisbane because nobody's heard of the Gold Coast overseas. <laughs> Uh, it's just easy to say that, but, uh, look, uh, the music that you're creating there, Ryan, it's, it's killer stuff, man. And, uh, you know, I know this album is yet to be released, but I look forward to the next one as well. Cause I've had this one for a fair, for, for a couple of weeks, you know, at least sent it across, but yeah. it's a, it's a killer collection, mate. And, uh, long may you continue to do what you're doing. So thanks for the chat. Oh, thanks for the, thanks for the support. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah. Really appreciate it. No worries, brother. All right, look, what I'll do, man, if you're cool, man, I'll just release everything and I, I don't edit it. I just put it out there. People love that. They yep. love hearing the whole thing. Um, and I'll just link you in on socials, on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, sounds good, man. Awesome. Thanks, brother. All right, go well. Cool. Good luck with everything. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Catch you soon. For sure, mate. Catch ya. Thanks. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in. The interview subject you just heard from is a fella from Perth, a guitarist by the name of Ryan Felton from the outfit Chaos Divine. Thanks for listening.